let's celebrate the journey. Mm-hmm. Let's celebrate the things that suck. Let's celebrate the small wins of, I just did my very first 5K. Because mm-hmm. if you're not celebrating that stuff along the way, we're going to wake up when you're 50, when you're 60, when you're 70 and be like, what just happened? My journey definitely has not been linear. And if you would have told me at where I'm at now that I would have done UC Davis, Oxford, Thailand, biomedical engineering, Nike, and then I'm <laughs> sitting in the Four Seasons in Seoul, like literally <laughs> makes no sense. But every step has made sense along the way because I've been able to find those pockets of joy and also the pockets of like the right people and surrounding yourself with mm-hmm. those people along the way. Welcome to the Seize the Yay podcast. Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realise there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Holloway, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy, and fulfillment along the way. Gosh, it always surprises me just how quickly a week comes around. Thank you all so much for the amazing response to Gary V's episode. I still can't believe it happened and I'm stoked with how it turned out and how much everyone seems to be gaining from it. If you haven't had a listen yet, it's as insightful and mind-stretching as the man himself, so head back and have a listen. As for this week's chat, I'm so excited to finally share the chat we recorded on our whirlwind trip to Seoul for the global Nike Joyride launch. It was such an incredible experience, especially at the peak of my non-runner to running lover conversion and so cool to head back to the motherland after 17 years. Long story that I'll tell you another day. After he hosted the global launch event, I was so lucky to sit down with Nike senior product line manager, Will Morosky to chat in more detail about this incredible shoe, as well as sharing his own amazing way to yay in the process. Another wonderful example of ending up exactly where you never expected, but where you were absolutely meant to be. While nurturing a love for sport from very young, Will's nerdy side also flourished through his journey. While competing seriously in track and field, he started college at UC Davis undeclared, but then found himself in biomedical engineering. Loving it so much, while others took a gap year, Will headed to Oxford University to do his master's in biomedical engineering, completing a casual thesis on malaria in pregnancy, assessment of effect using image texture analysis. This then took him to Thailand for field work and research followed by a clinical studies engineer position at pacemaker company Biotronic. It was Biotronic that moved him to Portland, the home of Nike HQ, where he found himself teaching spin classes to Nike staff who encouraged him to make the jump. Five years later, he's working on world-class innovation and changing runners' lives with new technology. I'll let him tell you the rest, but hope you enjoy as much as I did. Will! Welcome. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. We are literally sitting in the Four Seasons Hotel <laughs> on like the 23rd floor overlooking Seoul right now. It's, it's so just good. incredible. I never in my wildest dreams thought that CZA would come this far, but thank you so much for joining me. Of course. I'm super excited to be here. So excited to have you. So before we get started, the first segment is called Way TA, which is yeah. pretty much your whole journey. And today with you in particular, we're going to do the whole journey of the Joyride shoe as yeah. well. Yeah. But I'd love to start with asking people what the most down to earth thing is about them. Just to break the ice, because yeah. I think from the outside, you know, as such a high flyer at Nike, at <laughs> HQ, and being part of all these global 
incredible launches and innovation for yeah. runners all over the world, it can be a bit intimidating from the outside. Yeah. So what's something really down to earth and normal about you? Uh, I, my favorite food is peanut butter. That's a great <laughs> one. It's crunchy or smooth? Because uh, that's important. But I've gone through phases. I went through a crunchy smooth? phase. Really? And now I'm in the smooth. I don't know why. Wow. And then if you drink it with sparkling water, it's amazing. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. We've you been really about the sparkling water over here. <laughs> and uh, Steph and I, Steph from Nike and I have had like a bit of a disagreement on the size of the bubbles. Like, do you uh, want small bubbles or big bubbles? Are you a small or big bubble person? I'm like a LaCroix coconut fan. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Tastes she a little bit is... like sunscreen, but that's okay. Oh! Into it. Yeah. Oh, well that's, I mean, that's super down to earth. You know, <laughs> you're like a d- democratic sparkling water person. I think so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like what the people like (laughs) (laughs) pleasing all the people all right so your way ta now obviously you are now at nike Mm -hmm. but i think it's really important in any journey to go back to the very beginning when you were you know back to child will and to look at what you did before you were conditioned by adulthood and responsibility what was your joy then what did you think you'd be when you grew up where did you grow up and yeah what were you like at school yeah, um, so I grew up in California, in Northern California, in a small town kind of outside of Sacramento, which is, if people don't know where that is, it's kind of uh, <laughs> an hour drive from San Francisco. Um, and I grew up in a family of American football. No um, way! Yeah, he Oh did. my God, that's yeah. so, so cool. He played in the 80s for about eight years. Um, and my mom was a gymnast cheerleader. They're actually high school sweethearts um, <gasps> and are still married. So we kind of grew up in this family of like, sports and athletics being um, a priority, but my parents never forced on us a certain sport. So my dad never made me play football, but they always wanted us to do uh, a sport every season. So Mm -hmm. I happened to choose cross country in the fall, basketball in the winter, and then track and field in the spring. Um, Guys, so that was fall kind of my... means autumn. Just translating <laughs> yes, for all yes, the Australians. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was kind of my my childhood. It was very like health and fitness focused, but like a really healthy childhood. I had three siblings, and we're all best friends still today. Um, we live all over the U.S., but we all try to see each other as much as possible. So, so that cool. was kind of childhood will, and then. Um, I was always a creative person, mm-hmm. and I actually thought about going to art school. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed kind of that side of my, ex- like, expressing myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then through high school, I did a lot of art, but then I also am I'm really good at math, and so I liked I liked there to be a right answer, yes. and math gave me that. The subjectivity that lies in other kind of creative spaces kind of bothered me at my core a little bit. Um, so for me, it was trying to find this balance of how do I how do I continue to pursue the creative side of who Will is, but also ha- be in a career where I can solve problems that have like a right answer, if that makes sense. That is so cool. So, I identify with that so much. Yeah, and I that was super important to me is like to define success for me along yes. the way and feel like accomplished. Um, so when I went to college, I actually thought about going to architecture school because it kind of combined creativity, but engineering and like a right answer. Yeah. Um, but then the, I went to UC Davis, which is in the college I uh, was in my hometown and they didn't have an architecture program. So oh. I went into school as undeclared, which basically means your first year you get an opportunity to just try a bunch of classes and like figure it out. And then you have to declare your major or your degree 
by your second year. So yeah, can you just quickly explain that? Because so a yeah. lot of our listeners are Australian, and yeah. we don't really understand the college system because we don't have. We just go straight into our chosen degrees. Yeah. Straight up out of high school. Yeah. So you guys have college in between. Yeah. So in your first year, you don't have to select anything, do you? As yeah. you just mentioned, yeah. and then what do you choose from? So is it three years, and then how do you? specialize like are there some degrees that you can't do straight away at college and then you have to specialize after yeah, or how does it all work it's a great great question so <laughs> um, <laughs> and i got used to some of the lingo because i did grad school in england so which yeah. shares a lot of the same lingo as you guys so yeah. i'll get to that in a second but in terms of the high school to college so most people or at least the general expectation in american culture is that you know what you want to do when you're 13 just this whole idea <laughs> of like what do you want to do when you grow up is very embedded in Americans yeah. and I don't think it's honestly super healthy because who knows what they want to do when they're that young and totally. it changes and if somehow if you change then that's it's like oh you actually didn't know what you wanted to do yeah. so for me actually for everyone in the school system so you graduate high school when you're 17 18 mm -hmm. and then you go to college or university which is four years mm -hmm. um, and most of the time you're asked to declare a major, meaning asked to declare what you want to do at the school. So you go to University of California, Davis or Stanford or Harvard or like wherever you're going and you're saying, I'm going to be a civil engineer. Mm -hmm. And then they give you your courses that you need to take over the next four years to accomplish that degree. Okay. A lot of universities give you the opportunity to be undeclared for a short ah. period of time. And what that allows you to do is kind of explore Different things. Different things. You. Yeah. Exactly. I love that. And that's what I was able to do. And I was actually really grateful for that because I always was pretty intimidated by people that were like, I want to be a doctor and I'm 15. <laughs> and I'm like, how do you know that? Like, you've never seen a hospital. And you're um, like five years old. Honestly. I mean, you've not seen the world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so actually, when I moved to England, I was actually really jealous of people that took a gap year. I don't know if you guys have gap yeah, years in yeah. Australia, but yeah. like that is a... It's very liberating. A socially way to acceptable <laughs> thing to do is to take a year off or two between. Yeah. And I think like those years are so important when you're 17, 18 to like figure out life and yeah. what you like and what you don't like. But anyway, so I spent some time exploring and then I was also ran, ran cross country um, at UC Davis and track. And it was kind of this thing where like I didn't know what I want to do, but I love sport. And so I was able to do my academics, but also continue to compete, which I was kind of in my blood because of my parents yeah. and my siblings and stuff. That was amazing. Um, and then by the end of my first year, I kind of figured out that, hey, I wanted to pursue something where I was connecting with humans, mm -hmm. but being creative, but also having this like problem solving side of myself. So I ended up declaring biomedical engineering. I know. I read that. I was like, wow, <laughs> that's so cool. Which I know it's like <laughs> so specific, but I know I, I knew I didn't want to do medical school yeah so that would be something that you major in something in college and then you go to medical school after college yeah okay um that's the difference at home you can go straight into med school right yeah. right right so this this is like an additional four years yeah so <laughs> doctors graduate when they're like 35 40 million yeah yeah, yeah. um so that's so cool that you did biomedical engineering because i kind of feel like just listening to you one of the things about the podcast is that finding your joy or finding your ultimate path is never linear you almost never like it's very very rare that you know from the time you're young and it's all just a jigsaw puzzle of like yeah. I like ABC and I want to find a job that unites all of those things and I love that you kind of 
you didn't even know until after the first year of college that biomedical engineering was the thing that united yeah. all the things, but you were able to keep them all alive in different ways yes. until then. Yes, that's totally. So cool. Totally. Yeah. And that's really, I think, what kept me through like a pretty challenging college four or five years mm-hmm. was finding those spots where I felt like I was connecting with humans. And that's honestly what I've found in every step of my journey. And now I'm Mm. in marketing at Nike and it's, I'm still able to find that human connection, which has been kind of the important thread throughout my journey, even though I've changed from working in biomedical space to now working on footwear. So I was continuing to run, I graduated, um, and I still didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I had (laughs) an amazing degree from a great university. And then I was like, but I don't know, should I go get a master's degree? Should I go work? Should I move abroad because I'd never lived abroad before and that was one of the things on my list that I wanted to call another country home Mm. for at least a little while and so I I applied to grad school like 14 schools in the U.S. then I applied to Oxford in uh, England. I love that most people are like yeah I'm gonna go live abroad and just like work in a bar (laughs) or you know just like work in retail or just chill out and like do nothing and you're just like I'm just gonna go to Oxford I, I feel mean, honestly, and do a though, I'm like... jealous of those people that could do that because a lot of my <laughs> yeah. friends that who I met when I lived abroad were doing exactly that they yeah. were like hey I'm gonna take a break from my <laughs> normal life and go live abroad and see the world and for some reason I don't know if it's because I'm a Virgo or what but like I, <laughs> I love that you know about like a reason to do what I was gonna do and yeah. for me that was like hey, maybe there's, if I go to school, that's like my door to living abroad. Yeah. So that made sense for like Will's brain. That's very A type of you. Yes, yes. (laughs) But Um, it should have been yay type of you. I mean, exactly. Yes. I've learned that now. (laughs) I've learned that now. Yeah. Um, So I picked up, moved abroad, went to Oxford and did a like 18 month course that was a master's in biomedical engineering. And so that checked a lot of boxes for me. It was living abroad. It was seeing the U.S., in America from the eyes of another country. That would have been really interesting. Insane. <laughs> Positive <laughs> uh, or negative? Uh, or just shocking? J- more like healthy, I ah, guess. Oh, yeah, okay. Because I think when you... You get a bit parochial, I you think, do. before you travel. Yeah, and yeah. I think that was the gateway. So I hadn't done much traveling at all until that time. And now I've traveled everywhere, mm. I feel, or most places. And I feel like I've really... Traveling, I think, really matures you as a person because you realize your world is so tiny absolutely and that when you live in a country like america and i'm sure this is true where other people live but um everything is so america focused Mm. you move to england and everything the country is so tiny it's like the size of smaller than california (laughs) and everything's england (laughs) everything is england but also more global like you you start to see that actually people talk about what's happening in the Middle East or what's happening in Russia or what's happening in Australia. Like the news becomes global, whereas in the U.S. the news is very American. Yeah. Um, And so it was really healthy for me to see that perspective and just it made me grow up a lot quicker. Mm. Mm. Um, I also ran cross country and I rode crew and I played soccer at Oxford all within (laughs) like my 18 months there. He's a really chilled out guy. (laughs) Doesn't like high achieving at all, guys, as you can tell. (laughs) But I think the thing that people like, it's so funny when I meet people because they are like, oh my God, kind of an eye roll. And I feel like with me, like one, I feel like I've been really fortunate Mm. to have these opportunities. Two, I was not one of those people that aced my way through school. I really kind of just worked really hard to get everything I got. Mm. And then combined with being fortunate, right place, right time, I had some really amazing opportunities. So I just like 
tried stuff. Like I tr- went out for the rowing team and never really rowed before. Was obviously previously an athlete and it just, I met the right coach who was amazing and the right group of guys and they were super accepting and it just, just worked out and it was yeah. really amazing experience. So then finished grad school, still didn't know what I wanted to do. So I applied <laughs> for a grant that was basically continuing the research I was already doing for my master's dissertation, which yeah. was, it's going to be a little tongue twister, but studying how malaria affects pregnancy using ultrasound <gasps> imaging. So, oh my God, my brain just exploded Yeah, in all directions. That is so cool. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. So it was basically looking at women who were pregnant with, who the mother had malaria and looking at how the baby grew and was affected. <gasps> so how that was engineering was I was able to use ultrasound imaging and 3D imaging to help, help track that growth and uh, basically study that and then publish a paper on it. So I won the grant. And so then the grant basically said, was founded to send Americans abroad for a year and a half, do their research, and then move back to the U.S. to basically... Collate it all. Yeah, to like bring back what you've learned abroad and then help the American economy. It's kind of like the the cycle. (laughs) So I actually then moved to Thailand, which is where I was getting all my data from. And I lived in Thailand for a year and a half to continue that research. So Oxford was step one, which was amazing and and very different from american culture but it was much closer than thailand ever was yeah so then i moved to thailand which was like very very rural thailand not Uh, bangkok or chiang mai it was on the border with burma very poor yeah but one of the biggest things that hit me there was that the poorest people that i've ever met in the entire world were the most generous it is so funny that you said that we went to rwanda recently rural like out not even kigali and coming back to the West, everyone's like, did it just make you so, so grateful for everything that you have? And yes, of course it does. Sure. But I've seen more pure happiness among the people there. Yeah. Uh, just with a leaf. Like a kid will play with a leaf all day yeah. and be fascinated yeah. and so yeah. joyful. And I'm like, Western children are anxious. Yeah. And yeah. they have more generosity and sense of connection and excitement than we, we've created all these problems and now we're anxious about them. Yeah, totally. It was such a crazy experience. Yeah, it was the same same for me. And I honestly, I think people always ask me, like, was there a lot of culture shock when you moved there? Yeah. And I think, of course, like, mm. it was so different than yeah. anything I was ever used to. But what was harder was coming back. So, like, the reverse culture shock was actually worse yeah. because you're so disappointed in your friends. Yeah. For their, like, what like, they complain unawareness. about. Unawareness. Yeah, yeah, totally. What, I, I had that too. Or running around America being unhappy with literally everything from what kind of car you drive to yeah. insurance that we have to pay for to our healthcare system to... Yeah. And these guys who I got to spend a year and a half of my life with had none of those things. Yeah. They literally... Their family owned a noodle cart on the corner and they were had no money and they would invite me over for dinner like the contrast was incredible and it really hit home with me and it was really really life-changing and um it was honestly really hard to come back yeah (laughs) because it was it was just such like guys you're so disappointing (laughs) (laughs) humanity (laughs) yeah yeah so then how did you get from thailand to portland yes so you're really senior now yeah what's your official title senior product manager senior product line manager yeah that is the coolest application of biomedical engineering that I've ever heard of. And again, like from the thesis that you wrote to that actual job practical application now to creating shoes, 
Like it's never what you would have thought, I'm yeah. sure, that yeah. you would use. So how, how, how did you get there? And yeah. how did you get into the Nike family? Yeah, totally. So finished my year and a half in, in Thailand and I knew I needed to come back to America. To I was 26, had done very little work. I mean, I'd done lots of research, but not work work, mm-hmm. not in the industry. So I wanted to come back and I wanted to like pour my heart and soul and, and actually learn how to be in my mid twenties and have start my career. Have a job. Yeah, to- totally. <laughs> Do the work, pay yeah, the bills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Be an adult. Yeah, exactly. Admit my life been on pause for long enough. Yeah. <laughs> so I came back and I, like most people, this was 2011, was just applying for jobs within kind of what my degrees allowed me to apply for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was applying for biomedical engineering jobs all over the country, um, and I ended up landing in Portland. Oh my gosh. Yeah, for a company called Biotronic, which is a German pacemaker company. So you practice in that area? Yeah, so I worked for them for three years. Wow, okay, Yeah, awesome. so I ran a clinical study for them. So their whole thing is they create pacemakers and defibrillators. And my part of the company would get those devices approved by the FDA. So we ran yeah, clinical okay. trials with patients and hospitals and doctors all over the country. So I got to travel and, and, and write very scientific things to and submit them to the FDA to get approved. So it was the kind of company that was an amazing first step for me. Yeah. Like it was a great first job. I learned a lot. I was surrounded by really amazing people and I didn't know anyone in Portland. I moved here, <laughs> moved there. We're not in Portland right now. Yeah. Moved to Portland not knowing anyone, but yeah. it was an amazing place. And I still say this now, nine years later, having lived in Portland, have you stayed, been there the whole night? I've been there years? the whole time. Whoa! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that Portland is an amazing home base. Yeah. Like okay. every time I fly back to Portland, I'm like, yes. You're like home. the green and Mount Hood and the ocean and the rivers. It's And Nike Town. And Nike Town. It's <laughs> a beautiful place to live. And because I get to travel for work and stuff, I get to go get big cities when I want them and yeah. need them. Yeah. And um and then come home to like so cute cool. Portland, which is amazing. So was Nike your second job then after that? Nike was my second job. So Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So big I jump. I went yeah, big jump. So started a pacemaker job. I also was a trainer on the side. Mm-hmm. So I started teaching at uh, multiple spin studios. So spinning, I heard you were a spin instructor. Yes. So back to my fitness journey. Along my fitness journey, I was runner as a runner, I was injured all the time. Yeah. I had IT band problems. I had oh. plantar fasciitis. I had I had all the injuries that never go away. Yeah, uh, yeah. Those chronic yeah, really that rude you stress ones. out about. Yeah. Like, mentally they're hard because you're like, does my IT band feel okay today? Yeah. I don't think so. But it's an I, overthinking. I have to run. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> How rude. Yeah, very rude. Rude. Yeah. I blame my parents, you know, the genetics. Yeah. I mean that's just <laughs> not good. You have stupid parents. Like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I um, was injured my entire time, but I, I found um, spin as something that I could continue to do because it was non-impact. Yes. So I found okay. that in college. And then when I moved to Portland, I missed that feeling of that like total exhaustion, like you want to fall over and die yeah. kind of feeling after a workout where your clothes are just soaked and yeah. you just had the best time. And I couldn't find a good spin class in Portland. Like I tried every there's no studio. Soul there's no soul cycle. Whoa. I can imagine and this you was... up there in like the neon lights, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and nine years ago it was even <laughs> like it was terrible compared yeah. to now there's plenty Everything. of fitness opportunities in Portland. Nine years ago there wasn't. So I auditioned, I worked for twenty four hour fitness for a while. <laughs> um, 
which so I don't know cool. if you guys have that in Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah we've okay. got a lot of them now. So like giant chain gym, right? Like that I'm just like the little spin instructor getting paid minimum wage to teach. <laughs> yeah, but cute. like it was like my passion project. Like yeah. it wasn't even about the job. I had my career. It was about like joy. connecting with people, um, making people feel like a million bucks when they walked out of the room being like, I just did that. Yeah. And then helping people along their journey, which has been one of the most satisfying things for me, both in my career at Nike, but also in fitness is like helping a team mm. and watching that team like basically function at their highest potential. So it's so cool that you were able to transfer all of those things from like a hardcore biomedical technology company yeah, and then just shift it to Nike. Like yeah. it's the same skills. It's the same bit that lights you up. It's the same helping people on a journey, but yeah. it's just applied in a different context. Yeah. And yeah. I love that people don't think their skills are transferable, which is why they get in such a hole about, yeah. I, I've said I'm going to be a lawyer and now I have to do that for 10 years, yeah. but you, you don't, you yeah. learn stuff, you learn what your strengths are and your weaknesses are and you can do it in yeah. anything, I think. Totally, totally. And that's exactly what happened to me is that simultaneously I was really loving training on the spin bike, but then also my career at Biotronic, the pacemaker company was topping out like it was the size mm. of a company where your boss's job was your promotion yeah and they they were probably going to retire in that position so either you had to change functions or you had to move jobs yeah. so through burn cycle i actually met a lot of nike people so a lot of nike oh, people were my clients yeah and they were like well you should come work for nike and i was like that's awesome but what do eight thousand people in portland do like for a job. Like I know I've worn Nike forever. But I don't know what like a day in the life of a Nike employee looks like. Yeah. So Neither I do I, so I'm so excited yeah, to hear it. Yeah. I don't even know if I still know. But <laughs> um, I spent the next year and a half meeting kind of through friends of friends mm -hmm. with people in different roles at Nike to figure out if I could work for the company, if I wanted to work for the company. And then if I did, how, what would the best way to get in be? Mm. So I quickly figured out that I would want to be close to product because mm -hmm. product is really what for me brings all things full circle. It's a connection to humans that are interacting with the product. It's solving problems. It's having that right, right answer. Yeah. It's also being creative and in fashion and in fitness and in when fashion. all those worlds collide at <laughs> Nike, you can do all those things. And that's what's so amazing about working for such an amazing company that what I've always said is that what sets Nike apart from any other brand is its innovation. Absolutely. So being able to like really innovate and we talked a lot about it this week with mm. Joyride is solving runners problems. Yeah. And I had a lot of them as a runner. Yeah. And so like working on products that solve some of those things is like so empowering for myself personally, but also then seeing consumers and runners around the world buy, wear the product and then tell us their experience like that's the dream job it's so cool yeah it is so cool that you found your dream job from a pathway that literally could have ended up just in medical technology forever yeah. and never crossed a consumer like yeah. it's just so cool yeah. and such a good reminder that you never know where you're going to end up you yeah. really don't yeah and you have to keep an open mind to meeting new people totally but talking about the innovation yeah. so we're still in way ta and i kind of want to do a little mini way ta of the actual joyride yeah. because as a non-runner i mean everyone who's listening knows that i've gone from zero literally hating running to adoring it and to doing a half marathon like i still can't even believe that and now i i want to keep running i get to a new city and i'm like i want to pound the pavement what is that about <laughs> so can you tell us like from an innovation side 
particularly with the focus on this new amazing shoe for the reluctant runner because it just speaks to a special place in my heart. What is the process for you guys of innovating? Like, yeah. I, you know, we were at the launch yesterday and it always looks like an overnight success, but <laughs> it's been 10 years yeah. in the making. Yeah. And we just see the end result. Like the consumer just sees the React come out and then we see the different foam and we just kind of think yeah. you guys just pump these things out. Yeah. But what has been the 10-year process of developing this shoe? Yeah. Like I know... There's been, you know, so many different versions. There's been prototypes that didn't work. There's been some yeah. failures along the way. Yeah. Like, tell us about how you go from we're going to bring out a new shoe and then what takes 10 years? Yeah. And then science out, like nerd out on the science behind why yeah. these shoes feel like clouds on my feet. Okay. Okay. Amazing. <laughs> I can do all of that. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> okay. Hit us. Okay. So I think one of the things that makes Joyride unique, because every innovation has a journey and every journey is slightly different. Mm -hmm. Joyride's journey was really, we knew what we were trying to achieve the whole time, okay. which is that feeling of like, we talked about yesterday, stepping in the sand, yes. that feeling of like taking your socks and shoes off and stepping in the sand for the first time. Like that feeling is super unique. Mm. It's also amazing. You want to do it all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember driving as a kid, we'd go from Northern California and drive all the way to San Diego, which is about an eight hour drive oh. as like a family in our little Volkswagen van. <laughs> And I just remember exactly. like looking forward so much to the beach because of that feeling that you can't replicate in any other way. So we knew that's the sensation that we wanted to get. Yeah. Um, and we also knew that that, that sensation was also super personal. Yes. So up until this point in basically with any company, Nike included, most cushioning systems are a piece of foam yeah. or we've innovated on air, which is amazing mm. but it's not really personal like you put on the shoe and it's every shoe is kind of the same yeah and so we wanted to capture that like conforming or that personal side of cushioning but then we needed to make it appropriate for running so you couldn't just have <laughs> like a super soft shoe because no if you run in a super soft shoe that doesn't have any support. energy return support or res responsiveness mm. it's not going to feel good after you run five steps it's literally going to feel like you're running on a beach which is actually harder than running so terrible yeah. um so we wanted to get that that sensation but also make it appropriate for running yeah so that's what makes the joyride journey unique is because that they knew that 10 years ago but to Whoa. get what's on your foot right now to have like to be able to manufacture that and be appropriate for running that's what took so long that is so cool that you can conceive of an idea and then it takes a decade yeah. to perfect it yeah yeah insane insane so you start with the problem yeah and then work backwards from that like yes. This is the gap we want to fill. Yep. And then did you know, like the coolest thing I think is that it's like the first use of beads in a Nike shoe because yep. the beads, there's like 8,000 in a women's size eight, which I'm wearing right now. Yep. And there's the exact number in each different size and shoe yep. for that kind of customization of the cushioning so that it fit, molds to your exact foot, yep. which like six months ago, I would have just laughed at and been like, oh my God, like all shoes are the same. Now I know they like, it actually changes every single step yes. of your running. Yes. How did you guys, how do you figure that beads is going to be the answer? You know yeah. what I mean? Like how did you design all the parts of the shoe and, yeah. and what they do? And something you mentioned yesterday was that the other thing that you wanted to pair the sand feeling with was the feeling of running on grass, which yeah. again, I've only recently come to appreciate that running on ground that's hard hurts. Yeah. Whereas you, if you can opt for a softer surface, you're going to. Yeah. In big cities, you often don't have access to yeah. that. So I love the idea that the shoe kind of builds that in for you so that you can take joyful running anywhere yeah. that you yeah. go. Yeah. But again, how do you 
create? How do you work backwards from like the materials that you're going to use for yeah, that? Yeah, totally. So the original, original insight in terms of like problem that we were trying to solve was this whole idea that elite runners or core runners or whatever you want to call them, mm. people that maybe you and I can't relate to right now. Because I would say that I would... <laughs> I, I reckon a, you can. <laughs> I would say actually, and I told a lot of people this week, I would say I've become a reluctant runner. Yeah, like you said I, this. I went through kind of the ringer of like crazy training and yeah. it was kind of... Now I think about running and I have a little bit of PTSD on like, mm. that was so stressful because yeah. I was always injured and I then, but I still had to run. So now because running is a choice, not something that I have to do, my brain is like, it's, I'm a very different runner than mm. I, now than I was when I competed. So the original insight was really around, we know runners love to run. And mm. this is, I'm talking about that kind of core runner who they maybe call themselves a runner. They wear split shorts and they, you know, singlets. <laughs> yeah. and, um, they they wear a them, Kathy Freeman suit when they're out on the street. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> so we know that that group of people, there's no substitute for running. Yeah. They hate the pool. They hate the elliptical machine. They want to go run. It That's, has to it's be called running. a runner's high for a reason, yeah. right? Like, I know what that is, guys. I promise <laughs> it's real now. I've, I've got there and I'm like, I get it. <laughs> exactly. So we know that that's really hard to replicate on any other sport, if you will, mm -hmm. than running. So, but we also know that run, running is hard on your body. Everyone, anyone who's even tried running for the first time knows that feeling of running is hard. So the insight originally 10 years ago was, can we create a technology that allows runners to continue to run, but give their legs a day off or a break? <gasps> so that was like 10 years ago. That is awesome. Through the process, we've realized that that opportunity is a lot bigger than runners wanting to run on their day off. Mm. That opportunity of let's, making, let's make running a little bit easier is actually for everyone. And more so is probably for that the people who One don't want to run. of running yeah. or intimidated or has run before and had a really bad experience. That's February Sarah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that was like the problem to solve. And it kind of has changed from a really small opportunity to a giant opportunity yeah. that we thought we can give this to runners all around the world. That's solving problems for not just the elite, but solving problems for, for every day. Um, so back to your question on materials. So I think what's so fun about this project is like that feeling of sand or like everyone sat in a beanbag chair. Yeah. Like that was literally the inspiration. And those are literally beads inside of the beanbag chair. So we just needed to find the right material, the right shape of material, and then put those things inside of a shoe, which then took a whole nother many years yeah. but like this the concept was simple and what we were trying to do was simple it was then how to get there that took all the innovation yeah and so now there's four different sections of beads in the shoe which are called snack packs which is the best thing in the entire world i love how everything about the shoe is about lightening up not being yeah. so serious about yeah. it and just like fun yeah and I think when you feel fun towards something and you see how much fun has gone into the shoe, you get excited about running yeah. as an activity. Yeah. Um, but you did mention, so I know we're short on time, so I just want right. to quickly go through the NATA, which is pretty much for you personally as a runner, but also in the shoes development. Yeah. I know you started with just one, not four snapbacks, yeah. yeah. and there's been a lot of like failed prototypes and stuff. So yeah. talk us through like the challenges mentally in terms of motivation, in terms of failure and setbacks when you were injured, like yeah. just a quick top line, biggest challenges along the way and yeah. how you get through them, particularly with the non-runner in mind. Yeah. 
I mean, from a from the product side, there were many times along the last ten years where we almost walked away from the technology, Whoa. just because there was in the development it was either going to be too challenging to actually create. Like you can always make one pair, mm. but what about making pairs for Everyone. Australia <laughs> and England <laughs> yeah, yeah. and California? Like globally, making a shoe that is durable that follows through with the promise that we're making. Because when you put a Nike swoosh on the product, we're basically saying like, this is the next best running shoe yeah. and it's going to deliver these benefits to you. So we wanted to follow through with those promises um, as a brand. Um, and personally, that's like the, the problem solving side of me that mm. we wanted to do that as well. Um, so along the way, there were many times where it just wasn't the right material. We didn't know the right configuration of the snack packs or the pods underneath your foot. Um, or even how many beads should go in oh, each yeah. of the pods because that actually directly affects your experience. If you have too many, they don't conform to your foot as easily. If you yeah. have too few, you bottom out in the shoe and yeah. you hit the ground. So we had to find the right kind of recipe. So for for us, it was there was a lot of discouraging moments along the way, but we kind of always rallied around back to like, but what if we could do this? Mm. Like, what if we could create this? How amazing would that be? And I think it's not that often that you get to work on a brand new innovation at Nike. Yeah. I've been at Nike for five years, and this is the first time I've been able to work on something that no one's ever seen before. That's so In cool. the past, it's always been like, what's the next generation of Nike Free shoe. or Zoom yeah. Fly? Yeah. Um, and now it's like, let's introduce to the world a brand new cushioning system. That is so cool. And it's such a good example, like just extrapolating from the product development, but for in any journey that you go on, you're often, the minute you decide to quit is usually one step before you actually get it yeah, right. Totally. And you just have to push to that next step because like you're so close by the time you get that yeah. feeling. The reason you get that feeling is because you're just exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the one step after that that's like the one. Yeah, totally. And I think what I'm most proud about with this product is that we can talk to, whether it be your listener that's listening right now or talk to anyone around the world mm. that maybe is scared of running or that Nike honestly hasn't done a great job of speaking to in the past mm. because we can come across sometimes as a brand that's kind of intimidating, that mm. is like pushing runners to run faster and longer and yeah. get stronger and we know there's a lot of people out there that are just scared of their first run yeah and so to get to bring some of that intimidation out both from the aesthetic of the shoe and just how it looks it's super it's playful so fun. and fun <laughs> but then also how it feels is also hopefully matches the way that it looks so um, it does and, absolutely and, and then just people go out and enjoy their run yeah so that actually leads really nicely into the last section which is called uh, play ta which is like the playful inner child separating our identities from productivity and from like you mentioned you chose not to do a gap year because your personality was like but I need to be using that time for yeah, yeah, productivity yeah. and achievement. And we get on this like success conveyor belt and forget to just play and yeah. like have joy. And last night's event was so amazing because there were like games and beads and arts and crafts and yeah. it was joyful. It was so much fun. And this whole podcast is about remembering to have yay, yeah. remembering to allocate time and prioritize your joy because everything else you do is better when you do. Yeah. So from a, the perspective of someone who's come from wanting to do that, wanting to go faster, stronger, harder in your yeah. runs to just enjoying it yeah. and now having a shoe that can do that for yeah. you, 
what is your joy? What is your yay? And yeah. how do you, what are your tips for the reluctant runner who wants to find that joy too, who's not concentrating on a 21 or a 42K, yeah. who's just doing half an hour or just doing 15 minutes yeah. for the pleasure? Yeah. I think my biggest thing that I've found in my fitness career, if you will, in my fitness journey is like finding things that you actually enjoy doing mm. so that you'll, you'll do them again. Mm. So, cause what we find a lot and I've done this myself is like, you're like, I'm going to run, I'm going to race a 5k or I'm going to race a 10k having never raced before. <laughs> like, why is that the goal? I think we often set up goals because we see it on Instagram. We see our friends doing it, but that's not really who I am. Maybe I will be someday, but mm. not today. Mm. And so setting goals for yourself that one, that you have a good time and whether that for you is a run around the block and you're listening to your favorite music, like whatever that is, because that you're going to be able to repeat that and then do it again and then do it again. And you're going to have a really great experience. And I think that to me is what's so exciting about the shoe is that that shoe is kind of an invitation to have a good time. The shoe is not an invitation yeah. to go race. Yes. You know, maybe you will use the shoe to train for a race. That's amazing. But the first step would be the invitation to just go out and have an enjoyable running experience, which I would hope that many people would want to repeat that experience. Yeah, that's so true. And I think that's why I didn't like it at the beginning. Like when I first started running, I went out way too hard, too fast and it hurt. And then I was like, oh, running hurt. So I thought that that's what it exactly. was. Yeah. But yeah. in this last six months in the lead up to the half, I was like, okay, so do I need to start with 10Ks? And the coaches were like... You literally start with the, I don't want to run run on the Nike app, which yeah. is like a 3K run. Yeah. I think it's even a 2K run. And the whole first kilometer is the dude in your ear saying, I know it hurts. <laughs> I know you hate it. Slow down. Yes. And then after my first run, I was like, I really didn't hurt that much. Yeah. Like I kind of enjoyed it because I went yeah. slower. And yeah. then we did one kilometer each week we yeah. added. And it was slow, but fun because yeah. you, can, you take the time for the joy. And I think yeah. like the combination now of this shoe with, the NRC app and mm. the ability to choose guided runs that are not 5Ks, yeah. not even 3Ks. I don't want to run run, the rainy day run, yeah. the reluctant run, yeah. and yeah. the joy run and the yeah. fun run and the yeah. playlist that you can add into it. Like running can be joyful yeah. and everyone knows how much I used to hate it. And in 24 weeks, I've come to adore it. Yeah. Like it's possible and I'm so excited that this yeah. show is going to help so many people do that. <laughs> I think too, like one thing that's that's been a part of my journey is like celebrating the small wins. Because I think when I, as an instructor, when I teach spin, mm. and I, one of the things that I try to focus on with people in the room, and it's even regardless of the spin bike, but just fitness, whether it be runners in, in general, is it's this whole idea that people think they're going to step in and in one day, they're just going to have like shredded abs. Yeah. So they literally <laughs> go impatient. like balls to the wall. And <laughs> sorry, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. No, no, but, totally fine. <laughs> it's on brand. <laughs> Be they, authentic, They just Will. go, sorry, they just go, <laughs> they go crazy and they like beat their bodies up mm. to then hopefully wake up the next morning and have like this like changed body. Yeah. For me, it's like, if, if we're, let's celebrate the journey. Mm. Let's celebrate the thing that, things that suck. Let's celebrate the small wins of, I just did my very first 5k. Mm. Cause if you're not celebrating that stuff along the way, we're going to wake up when you're 50, when you're 60, when you're 70 and be like, what the fuck just happened? Like, yeah. I don't know. But if we can learn to celebrate the small stuff along the way, that's what makes life super exciting and super fun. Absolutely. Oh my God. What a great way to finish. <laughs> Very last question just before we wrap up. What's your favorite motivational quote? Ooh, um, 
<laughs> you kind of just pretty much gave us a really long, amazing <laughs> quote. But is there one that stands out to you? I had one yesterday that was running related and it was, there's no point in running if you're on the wrong road. Mm. But I feel like there's, you know, lots of other ones about even just the fact that baby steps still get you, you they get you still to the same destination. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. you enjoy it more than like racing there and killing yourself to get there. Yeah. But yeah, are there yeah. any that stand out for you from your journey? Um, so b- both my parents have been like hugely influential in, in kind of my journey, both as like amazing, amazing athletes, but also just as amazing friends like they did an amazing job of somehow someday when I have kids I want to know how they went from being a parent to my friend like yeah. overnight because we're literally best friends now That's so good. um and I think I should be like an American tv show about like happy families <laughs> or something <laughs> um and I think just their I don't have like a specific quote but I think just their like general encouragement of me to be a healthy human that is always kind of finding the joys in life along Mm. the journey has been hugely influential in my life because to your point at the very beginning, my journey definitely has not been linear. And if you would have told me at where I'm at now that I would have done UC Davis, Oxford, Thailand, biomedical engineering, Nike, and then I'm (laughs) sitting in the four seasons in Seoul, like literally makes no sense, but every step has made sense along the way because I've been able to find those pockets of, joy and also the pockets of like the right people and surrounding yourself with those people along the way. Amazing. Thank you so much. You're welcome. (laughs) Thanks for having me. What an awesome story. Will was such a blast to chat with. I could have picked his brain for hours. You may have seen the Nike Joyrides have now gone live. So I'll post a link in the show notes. They are a game changer. And I've got a third IGTV on its way documenting my experience in these amazing foot pillows. Please do share and tag at WEM Cycle and myself while you're tuned in so we know who's listening as always. And you may have heard there's a giveaway each week now for the best share. So get screenshotting now, kids. Hope you're having an amazing day and a seizing your yay.